Welcome into episode 43 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at ca Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, how are you? Doing good. You didn't screw up the intro this week, so already off to a better start than last week. <laughs> I almost did, though. I could tell. You literally, it was the very start. You were like, yeah. welcome. And I'm like, is he going to follow through here? And you're like, into the Pegasus podcast. I'm yeah. like, all right, we're good. Something tripped me up. I don't know. Maybe I'll get it right one of these weeks. Well, you've got, you had like a 40, I was about to say 40 game. These aren't games. You had a 40 <laughs> podcast streak of getting it right. And then suddenly last week, you just forgot it. Actually, that's not true because I did the intro once for an episode like four yeah. months ago, four or five months ago. And then you've never done it since. I thought about asking you to do it this week since you screwed up last week. Like, I like taking away your privileges, but I was like, well, I don't want to just like kick you while you're down. So you can, you can try. One more time. <laughs> yeah, I was so down. I was thinking about it all week. I thought about it multiple times this week. Did you actually? I, I honestly, yes. And I don't know why. <laughs> I just kept remembering it happened. I think it says more about you than, than it does about me messing it up. But what I kind of say I'm a perfectionist? I'm actually not. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, UCF and Temple, we're going to recap that game first and then we'll get into um, actually looking ahead a little bit to 2022 because regrettably we're already in the final month of the 2021 season. So Um, upset. Yeah. And then um, we're going to get into the uh, preview slash our predictions for Saturday's game against Tulane. Are you looking at the outline right now? Do you see that I put, I put topic topic one, topic two, and I put topic 43. Topic 43. This is episode 43. So there's, there's where my brain went. Man, if you thought our four topic episodes were long, wait till our 43 43. topic. Topic 43. We're going to give you a scouting break, break, a straight up scouting breakdown of every single draft eligible UCF player. So be ready for that. All 40 of them. Not even a ton of them, really. So we'll get to that, though. We'll get to that. Are there any? That's more of a 2022 thing. Yeah. I I was going to say, preface that conversation. I actually think there might be none, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Anyway, (laughs) Temple. Let's let's talk Temple. UCF won 49 to 7. It's a good win. 49 to 7. That wasn't my prediction. Wasn't mine either. Temple's not good. I gave Temple way too much credit, apparently. Because I said Um, 34 17. You said 35 17. By the way, I'm just going to let you know now this is unprofessional, but I just realized you said score prediction. I realized I just did not make a score prediction for this week. It's okay. I, I just made my uh, two lane predictions, my three of them. I just made them like 15 minutes ago. So thumbs um, up. Okay. Two thumbs up. I just, I, I, okay. I just, maybe that's why I'm, maybe that's why I have the record I have, but not really. They're usually like, I feel like they're good predictions and they all just go wrong. I usually like put a lot of effort into mine. I did make predictions. I just totally forgot to do a score prediction. Yeah. Like I have my predictions for the game. Uh, okay. I just made it. I think, I don't know. Well, before we get even there, we were, so we're, so we're still here. We're still here talking about temple. And you know, it's funny is last week with uh, the Memphis recap, one of our bullets was defensive dominance. And I just decided to keep the same bullet for this UCF temple game because the defense continued to look the best it has in years. And it's Dude, just been exceptional uh, to watch this. I tweeted at some point, but I'm honestly trying to think, and I I'm having a hard time coming up with the answer of when was the last time that UCF was that dominant, not counting FCS games on both sides of the ball against an opponent. I mean, it was like literally on both sides of the ball. Temple was just helpless. And I'm going to be honest. A lot of that was Temple's very bad at football, but <laughs> I mean, the, the, we're, we're basically the point now where they kind of get the defense kind of gets a mulligan for Cincinnati. We talked at length about why that's the case. We called that out the time. Other than that, that's three out of the last four games. They've been dominant and just straight up shut down the offense they've been playing. Yeah, no, they've been really, really good. And it's coming from like the, the secondary is looking way better than it did earlier in the season. The pass so rush much is starting, better. 
Pass some guys are stepping get, up there that yeah. maybe we weren't even talking about at the beginning of the year. Right. Some the pass rush is starting to get to the quarterback more, like not just pressure the quarterback, but actually finishing sacks. And I think it's worth pointing out that we had a couple weeks ago we talked about Big Cat being a little bit disappointing this season. He has three and a half sacks in the last two games since we talked about that. So um, yeah, I really I lit a fire <laughs> under Big Cat clearly by suggesting we include those guys because he's just been he's been like since then, like what we talked about him be like in the offseason yeah. and being like he just like and listen, part of it too is like the competition has gotten weaker. UCF schedule was really front loaded. They're playing worse teams now than they were at the start of the year. That's yeah. helped. But the defense, there's no doubt about it. They've been looking better and better and better. I've got a stat for you that I tweeted. UCF, Memphis and Temple were both held to seven points. Seven points. That's the first time UCF has done that in five years. It's been five years since they held back-to-back FBS teams to seven points. I can't even remember that. It was, it was uh, Tulane and Cincinnati, Cincinnati in 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I think so that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very long time. A lot of things have happened since then. So many things. Like there <laughs> multiple co- three coaches have happened since yeah. then. I, I, but I, that's just, but that to me is like, and that was, we talked about it in the offseason, even when we thought this was going to be a better season before the injuries. That was the difference with this team and Gus Malzahn and the staff was that defense was going to matter again. Yeah. I mean, it was going to be part of the game plan. And maybe that means you score fewer points. It didn't, it didn't on Saturday. But and and I've like I'd forgotten that it can actually be fun to watch your defense play. Like these last <laughs> few games have been the first time since literally the O'Leary era that we we score a touchdown. I'm like I'm excited to see this defense. Like yeah. this is great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not like clutching my chest like please God, this is going to be so painful. So that's and, been exciting. And you can tell too that they just feel the confidence right now. Oh every, yeah. With every drive, every stop they get, I feel like it just helps their confidence grow more and more. And, and this is a very young, very young team, very young defense. And that's got to be exciting. We'll get into more of that in, in topic two. But yeah, I mean, just to see the growth game after game and for it to be like we like like we said in the offseason, like Gus maybe was going to run the offense a little bit differently than Frost and Heupel did. But we were thinking that it was going to come and it was going to benefit the defense. And they're going to put a little bit more of emphasis on the defense and being more balanced as a team. And we're starting to see that. Yes, it's against weaker competition, but the fact that they're able to do it against the weaker competition they're going to be able to build up that confidence and build up that ability to do that going into next season. And it's, um, it's great to see. It's really well, great to see. Here's the big difference between Malzahn play calling. I'm not even going to include Frost because that was just eons ago at this point, but like in Hypo, I've realized it the last couple games is against Memphis. They had that really great, that like end around play for O'Keefe that he scored on, which is really great. And in our time last week, uh, that happens. And Malzahn on the sidelines, like he's the playmate. He's our playmaker, O'Keefe. We got to get we got to get the ball to him. And they really rode O'Keefe the rest of that game. I mean, they rode the high hand. We saw that against Temple with Alec Holler. Like the thing that I like about this offense and the play calling is like they will straight up say, oh, so-and-so is having a good day today. We're just going to feed him the ball. Like we're, yeah. we're just going to, we're going to ride the hot hand. And that was something that we under hypo. It was like, there was a game plan and that was the game plan. We're go- <laughs> like, there just weren't adjustments. And this is like, I like, we had barely heard of Alec Holler really before i'm saying the right one right because there's two dollars yeah, yeah okay and he had a great freaking game and of course we have to talk about mike Keene. this is this yep. podcast was founded just exclusively to promote <laughs> mike Keene propaganda so we have to talk about his five times where where are the start where's the start quadri crowd at now where are you guys at i, I haven't seen much of you on twitter lately I, and, I must have missed something are you guys like on break i haven't seen much curious where you're at yeah mm-hmm. it was i feel like it was very vindicating to see is that the right word? Vindicating? Yeah. Very vindicating to see Mikey Keene go out there and throw for five touchdowns and came so close to getting my prediction right of not turning the ball over. <laughs> he, threw, he threw one interception that was then fumbled and UCF recovered. I just feel like it should have been wiped off. Like it shouldn't even count the interception. That's not the way that works. But it was, nope, and that was not. a bad throw. 
But yeah. this is the thing about Mikey that, that I we kept trying to tell people for weeks and weeks and weeks. Is And I'm not like, it's not like a dam has broken and now Mikey's going to come out and throw five again against Tulane. But when you have a true freshman, you look for those moments of like, of potential. And we, re- and we've seen that even throughout the other games where other people are like, Oh, he's playing bad. He was having rough moments, but we saw the flashes of potential. And this was one of those games that sometimes you get as a true freshman where everything comes together and he's just electric. Dylan yeah. Gabriel in his whole career at UCF has had two games with five passing touchdowns. That's it. Blake Bortles had none career here. I mean, that is like crazy impressive. And I know he did it against a bad team, but like, we're finally seeing, and I feel like the fan base is finally getting exposed to like, oh, this is like another one of those guys. Like he truly can be another elite quarterback for UCF. I mean, he yeah. matched, uh, he matched, McK- he now has as many passing touchdowns as a freshman as Mackenzie Milton did his freshman year. It's just funny because so many people jumped off of the Mikey train very, very quickly. And it was like, what, three, three starts into his career as a true freshman. Yep. And like, I'm not, yeah, like you said, like, it's not like this game against Tulane, like changes everything and like, oh my gosh, like he's going to go on a tear the rest of the season. He might, but it's just that this is the kind of stuff that you want to see. Like you want to see these moments in these games from your true freshman quarterback, because I mean, yes, Dylan Gabriel is going to come back, but think about like when it, when it becomes time for Mikey to take the field again, he's going to have this confidence and he's going to have, you know, just the, the reassurance that like, Hey, I can go out and do this. Like, I just went through five touchdowns, landed on the conference weekly honor roll. Like he, he had that kind of performance. And I think there was so much of like, his early starts where it was like, yeah, like he showed some good things, but he also had some bad moments, was getting, wasn't getting much help from his receivers, like just kind of, you know, there was choppy points of like, it was just the whole thing was choppy and like not consistent enough. And then you had a game like this where like everything went right for him. And you mean, you saw what we saw five touchdowns and you know, the best game of his career. And honestly, part of it was Gus finally just said, screw it. was like, we're going to throw the ball downfield. And <laughs> yeah. I think it was kind of like, cause, and you could see why they were afraid to do it because we've talked about before and it's clear now that receivers just aren't great this year. Even O'Keefe, yeah. who is very good most of the time, he once again dropped <laughs> a freaking perfect, what would have been a touchdown pass. Yeah. Like, I don't get that. And I, and I get it. It's a risk. And Mikey Keene, he's, he's bad, had some bad throws on some deep balls. But what I liked is that pick happened on deep ball throw. And Gus said, now nah, we're still going to do it. And it paid off. I, it's just, it was something they had to work at and it paid off. So I hope we keep seeing that. And I do think part of it is week to week. It seemed like Mikey's had a little more of the playbook, but one thing I'm wondering about now, just looking sort of longer, bigger picture is so Dylan Gabriel, he's presumably going to be back within a few weeks. It seems like Gus kind of walked it back a little, this press conference. I'm not sure. Presumably at some point this year. Yeah. I'm assuming Dylan is going to come back next year. I, like I can't imagine unless he is being like, heavily misguided by people in his life that he would try to go to the NFL because there's no chance of him getting drafted. Oh, I thought you were going to say heavily misguided to like transfer somewhere else. Oh, I'm assuming he wouldn't transfer, but uh, so I'm assuming he's not going so. to the league. If he comes back, I I would assume Mikey would not transfer if hope Dylan not. is back next year because presumably like it seems pretty clear that the next year will be Dylan's last year and then the, it'll be after that it'll be Mikey or Mikey might have to battle with Tommy Castellanos. Yeah. But I like, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's my ideal quarterback situation is Dylan Gabriel comes back for a year and then going into 23, Mikey and Castellanos battled for the job. Castellanos is class of 22, right? So next year he could presumably red shirt next year and come in as a, a red shirt freshman in 2023 with what it would be a junior, a junior Mikey Keene. And you decide from that point, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen. And I mean, it's not a bad problem to have. It's just when you have to manage, like having this many good quarterbacks or this many good options, like 
you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be careful about how you manage it because you don't want to have any of them transfer you don't have any of them leave, well that's you know? the new era we're in though because it, it would have been like you know like i don't know not not too a few years ago there wouldn't be any discussion like, of course mike's yeah. not gonna transfer he'll be the guy when dylan leaves or whatever but now it's like if mike has another uh, even like one more game like he has like he had against temple like teams will be interested in him if yeah. he enters the portal they might not be good teams but teams will be interested in him. and he might say screw it i'm gonna go start right now i don't know i have no idea i but i think on the flip side is like that'll be ucf's first year in the big 12 i feel it could be more appealing to stick around than start in the big 12 yeah but who knows it's a good problem to have it's yeah a good and problem this, to have the it. scenario that you kind of i don't even know if you want to worry about it but like because it's way in the future but like if that plays out to where dylan plays his last year next year and then it's a, a junior Mikey Keene battling with a redshirt freshman Tommy Castellanos and Castellanos wins the job then that's when you worry about okay well Keene as a junior like he's like all right I'm gonna go finish well at that point I would expect him to transfer yeah like you would think and, like that well he wouldn't be a happen, junior but... in 2023 right he'd be a redshirt well, sophomore he? be a redshirt sophomore true freshman 21 I assume he would redshirt in 2023 oh, he why would he not redshirt if he wasn't the starter because I mean you need a backup yeah, you need a backup, but unless Dylan gets hurt again, why would he have to play in more than four games? Well, that's fair, yeah. yeah I, was thinking, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the red shirt they burned rules, his I mean, red shirt for garbage time. They're going to redshirt. I would think, assume they're also going to redshirt Castellanos, so they can redshirt two quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just something. That they I don't know why you would burn. I don't know why you would burn a year of eligibility for no reason. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It'll I be mean, interesting because that's. I that's mean, honestly, you could have a mini audition in the background because you let Mikey have four games of backup reps. And if UCF's lucky enough to have eight games that are blowouts <laughs> where you're getting a backup quarterback, then you let Tom, then you let Tommy Castellanos get some too. This is true. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. However it plays out, it'll definitely be. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is. It is a good problem. It's just, it's, it, it is a problem, but. It's um, also, yeah, that's the thing. It's a problem because you start like, at least for me, is like all three of those quarterbacks, like I would be very, very sad to see any of them go. And yeah, yeah, sort of. Sure. No, you no. Okay. No, I would. I would. Okay, yeah, I mean, I so, say yeah. Like, I, I've like at some for one reason or another have developed a connection to each of these three quarterbacks. So I'm like, I don't know. I I, well, I'm just gonna say perfectly. that like I think Castellanos is gonna be good, but I'm not gonna be like I'm really sad to see him go when he has even like, God, signed I, here. Yes, like, I, I mean, think he has like I just I don't know. I'm I'm very excited. He looks about really him. good. Yeah. And if I'm Mikey, the only thing I'd be worried about is he is definitely much more of the Gus Malzahn build at quarterback than yeah. Mikey. And when is. you factor in the fact that he's being recruited by Gus and Mikey wasn't yeah but I, you can balance that though with that Gus did come in and make Mikey second string yeah <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. so it'll be interesting what however it plays out it'll be interesting it's funny how we got here from the temple game but um we can we can go ahead and transition into this this next topic because you yeah. you pointed this out to me um over the weekend I think it was you were kind of making a list of people who are coming or players who are coming back or presumably coming back for 2022 and it's a lot I mean most of the team like there is a good chunk of this team that is coming back and could make 2022 a very very good year for UCF if you want to go ahead and rattle off the list go ahead yeah I mean I started looking at this just for some context because I it was that conversation made earlier of like who's UCF's like draft eligible guy is going to be in 2021 and or yeah for the 2022 draft and I when you look at it unfortunately like three of the main ones have missed most of the year to injury. So I don't expect them to declare anymore. And that would have been Dylan Gabriel, Jalen Robinson, and Kalia Davis. I don't, I could right. be wrong on the, I mean, you never know what guys decide, but I, I mean, I don't know. All of them have eligibility left and frankly, none of them are going to get drafted because don't have a chance getting drafted because of just injuries. So yeah. I, but that letting down this rabbit hole of who's going to be back next year. And as far as like, this isn't like, I'm not, I'm not going to read you 90 names of who on the football roster will return <laughs> to the team. But as far as guys who have like had an impact this year, 
here's who's going to be back next year. So the bad news on offense is most of the O-line starters are leaving. That's always yeah. problematic. But there are some guys waiting in the wings. So but you assume that'll be dealt with. Uh, and Matt Lee, the center, will be back. And, you know, he kind of anchors that unit. So it is what it is. Um, on offense, you got Matt Lee, like I just said. You got Dylan Gabriel, Mikey Keene, Joey Gatewood, Johnny Richardson, RJ Harvey, Mark Anthony Richards, Jalen Robinson, Ryan O'Keefe, Amari Johnson, Titus Mokia Atamalala, or as the announcer referred to him, Mokau Alala, <laughs> and Alec Holler, who wouldn't have made this list eight days ago, but here we are. Um, that, that's like, I mean, that's basically everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's literally other than Bowser, that is pretty much everybody. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the core of your offense. And like you said, the, the issue there is the O-line. And yeah, that's definitely a problem. But you, you know, feel a little better about the problem when all the other pieces are coming back. Yeah. No, yeah. I, mean, I, I feel better about, I think, I don't know, I just wish that it was more than just one of the, the core O-line coming back. But like, you know, you feel, I think, a little bit better about the guys that are stepping in when you have all of that talent elsewhere, um, rather than if you have like a full offensive line and no skill positions. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. I and think, that's the thing is like, I guess if I could take one of those, like if I could take like all the skill positions are gone and an O-line back or pat, you know, packed at skill positions and lose my O-line. I, maybe I'm dumb, but I'm taking where at least I have the skill <laughs> positions. And, so yeah. And now that you feel like when, I, when you rephrase it that way, I'm like, mm, but you know, yeah. It's, no, it's, because, but I also, it's not like UCF has a bunch of scrubs. That's like, true. Yeah. Left over. I mean, we got, I don't know if he's going to factor in, but I mean, we got a freaking German dude who's 6'10". You got to think <laughs> that he'll be good. Paul Rubelt, is that his name? Yeah. But anyway, let me give you, this is the one I'm really excited for. Let me give you the defense of who should be back next year. Tatum Bethune, Devod Wilson, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, Quadric Bullard, Kalia Davis, Ricky Barber, Anthony Montalvo, Cam Good, Josh Selisgar, Tremont Morris-Brash, Corey Thornton, Devontae Brown, Brandon Adams, Dylan Lester. In other words, other than Big Cat, the entire starting defense should be back next year. Is, Everybody wait, should be back. Is Bryson Armstrong back? No, isn't he a grad transfer? I think he is. So yeah, it's just them two. Yeah. Which... I, I forgot Bryce Dancer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He would be gone too. But that other than that, you have yeah. this defense <laughs> that is playing as an elite defense now, and everybody is coming back. Like that, that's crazy to me. Especially all these guys in the secondary who are pretty freaking young who have been looking yeah. better and better as the years gone along. And then you I mean that's the thing is like you add all these really, really high impact guys returning. And then the recruiting class that we talked about last week that has come together and looks really, really strong. I mean, you never really know who's going to make an immediate impact as a true freshman, but you have Jakari and Damari Henderson, who are two you know, highly sought after corners or, or defensive uh, backs that could factor in next year. So you add them yeah. to that group. You add a bunch Nikai of Martinez yeah. is a force. You're adding guys who are like are on paper guys who should be contributing immediately right. to an already stacked defense. Right. And, and it's, it's really on, on both sides of the ball. So that's the thing is UCF is in is well positioned, <clears throat> excuse me, for the future. And I actually want to point out this tweet that I, I somehow found this today. I, I don't think I saw this the other day, but Jason Beatty tweeted on Saturday after the game. Um, he said, wanted to point this out. Uh, he and Brandon Helwig, I guess, in postgame spoke with a true freshman and two sophomores plus a junior after the win. And he says, this team is young and built for the future. And that's, wow. I mean, that's says a lot, I think about, the guys that stood out on Saturday and are, are being looked at as, you know, these are the guys that are, are speaking to the media. Like these are guys, some of the guys that are leading the way into the future. And that's, and that's huge for a team that's now five and three and, and gaining that momentum that we were talking about for the second half of the season. It's, it's good to see that. And it's good to think like think forward in the future. Now that we are in, unfortunately, the last month of the regular season, you're looking at 2022 and you're like, well, this, this team should and most likely will be much better this next year than it is this year. And, and that's gotta be exciting for you. 
and Cincinnati loses everybody. So yeah, that's fun. Um, but the other thing is like, we talked about this in the off season too. I mean, I tried, I tried to tell you guys, like, like I know we all wanted 2021 to be a very good year. And I'm, frankly, it would have been a much better year if not for the injuries. The fact yeah. that the fact that UCF can get to six and three this weekend is kind of nuts. Six and three is a flat out good record. And with all the injury stuff that's gone on there, that's awesome. Like they've really recovered the season. Well, if they beat Tony, they will really recover the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a second. But I, we talked about in the offseason, it always felt like 2022 was going to be the year, especially now that it looks like Dylan is not, you know, going to declare or go anywhere. I mean, that UCF's going to be, other than the O-line issues, going to be stacked on both sides of the ball. I mean, that on paper is a team that should win the AAC and should be in New Year's 16. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's when finally for the first time since really like 2018 or 2019, that UCF really does have the talent where on paper they should be meeting the expectations that most fans have every single freaking year. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's important to mention, like you said, Cincinnati, because Cincinnati benefited this year from having so many guys come back from the COVID that, that year. super senior rule. And that yeah. COVID year rule isn't a thing. They're not good right now. They had they had that benefit. And so, yeah, I mean, for for them to be, you know, they're cashing in on that right now. Um, and it's it's going to probably be a little bit falling down back to earth next year. And that's coinciding with UCF having this much talent returning. You know, you would expect that. UCF would would return to the top of the conference you know you never know what's going to happen but it's it would be nice to to have that would be the the final uh the final AAC season be UCF going out on top another factor about next year being a good year 12 games on the schedule nine of them are in the state of Florida right that is which is kind of what since that's what Cincinnati did in 2020 is you 2020 Cincy model (laughs) yeah so that should that helps that helps big time it really is it's it's interesting and I know it's funny how like there's still four games left plus the bowl game, but like we're kind of getting into next year. But like when you look at the schedule, like you said, nine of the 12 games being in Florida and the non-conference schedule is the two road games are FIU and FAU. And then you have home games with Georgia Tech and Louisville. That's that should just, straight up be 4 yeah. that, sh- that should very easily be 4-0 out of conference. That Louisville you get your power five teams game. at home. Those are going to be packed. Bounce house going to be packed for both those games. Your two road games, no offense to those teams, are frankly jokes. Like you're going to win both of those um easily FAU like maybe it'll be like competitive in the first half FIU is horrible um yeah it's just yeah it sets you up perfectly and then you get and then you get the big boy you're supposed to see if the AAC suddenly decides we changed how the schedule works because you're leaving and you're playing at Tulsa six times but (laughs) like they're getting Cincinnati at home we know that yeah I you know you get a road game at USF also known as an eighth home game so it just it's the schedule and the talent sets up so freaking nicely for 2022 it really does and if UCF can like be coming off a new year's six bowl as it moves into the big 12 we've already seen look at what this what the staff has done with recruiting in a with a five and three team UCF has its best recruiting class ever UCF overtook Cincinnati last night to not have the best recruiting class in the group of five and in the conference like imagine what they can do with a good year (laughs) like it's crazy yeah and that's that's why I think it's funny when we did the the scenarios for like in the offseason, we did like the what scenarios and how everything could play out this season. Um, obviously, we're not in the scenario where like we wanted to be with all these injuries, and but they're still five and three. And like we said, like we didn't expect the recruiting to really get impacted much, and it hasn't been. But like you said, if if you go next year and you win the conference, you go into year six, and then you're saying, hey, recruits, like we're starting in the Big Twelve. We just went to a New Year's Six Bowl. We just won the conference again, like. That I, I don't know what like we're already seeing a class and I don't know you know I said it's probably not going to stay in the 30s but like we're seeing a class in the 30s right now like what is the ceiling 
Cause that would be uh, honestly, once they're in, like if they have a good year or even just once they're in the big 12, I totally think that like the top 30 classes can become a fairly regular thing for UCF. I, you would think, I mean, they're, they're on the same in, in terms of, you know, power five, they're on the same playing field as Florida, Florida state and Miami now. And, you know, I think in a lot of cases, especially if Gus sticks around, you can preach that there's stability where there's really not stability at Miami ever anymore. And the coaching coaching situations at Florida and Florida state, like we'll see how that kind of plays out because I don't know. I don't know what the heck Dan. Also you look at, you look at like, okay, Florida is always going to have where SEC Florida is always going to be the top dog in recruiting as far as in-state schools. Like that's just the way it is because they're SEC. I don't think that like, pitching players on playing like Wake Forest and Virginia Tech is any more enticing than playing like TCU and Baylor. Like, I don't think no. there's any, any, like, I don't think like once UCF is in the power five in a couple of years, I don't think Florida state and Miami have any advantages over UCF except for like history. Like, yeah. That's it at that point. That's all they have left. And frankly, UCF's 20 plus recruiting spots ahead of Miami right now. So I don't know. I, and, and, and I do want to preface this with like, or not preface this because we've already talked about it. I don't know what's preface, but after, is there a word for that? Um, I don't know. Conclude. I do want to bookend this. Okay. There you go. With, there, you go. With, there we go. I'm a journalist, everybody that, you know, like, Oh, what was I going to say? I forgot oh what I was going to say. As I'm showing you where I was. Oh, I remember like it's listen, recruiting rankings are still recruiting rankings. Like it's not, it's not like UCF now has the 30 something most talented team. And before they had the six, it's like, it's not the way it works. Some players pan out, some don't. It's exciting because Gus is getting the guys he wants. And I, I trust the staff to evaluate players well, but I'm still, I'm not sitting here like, ah, yes. Now UCF will finally, the biggest thing is if they can go into the big 12 with some depth, some much needed depth, which they're getting these classes, that'll be huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's gotta be like, it's definitely exciting. And it's definitely something like, I think I've, I've caught myself a little bit, you know, I think prepping for this, but also just in general, knowing that we're in November already of this season. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy the rest of the season, but I feel like my brain's already like shifting into next year and I don't want it to, cause I need to enjoy the last four games, but and we're not trying to say this has been like, oh, this has been a, I mean, yeah, the year oh, has no. been rough because of injuries, but five and three is not a bad record. Six and three is a flat out good record. I'm thrilled um, with where UCF is right now, all things considered. Yeah. I th- I mean, we'll see. Oh, should we just get into Tulane? Because now, yeah, let's get in, <laughs> now, let's now get we can transition Tulane. back. Yes. Tulane. Back the into wave. 2021. We'll, we'll get out of 2022 for now. Back Who I famously predicted to have a breakout year. And boy, did they just not in the direction they, I thought. Oh, man, I still feel like they should have. And they're still way better than one in seven. Like yeah. UCF is not playing a one-win team. I do not think this game is going to be like a straight-up cakewalk. I really don't. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy the way their season has gone because they had that close game with Oklahoma. And then also, I mean, with the whole thing about having to be – I mean, they were out of out of their home for a while because of the hurricane, yep. right? Yep. Um, and so that obviously is not going to help. But just to have everything strung together the way it has, like – yeah, they, it shouldn't be one in seven, but just yet here they are. And they're giving up a ton of points. Like so many freaking points. They're giving up, I mean, by the game. I mean, they gave up to they gave up 40 to Oklahoma, which I mean that's Oklahoma, it's pretty understandable. They gave up 61 to Ole Miss, which yes, Ole Miss is Ole Miss, but 61 points, like that's that's looking rough. You have up 52 to ECU, 40 to Houston, 55 to SMU, and then 31 to Cincinnati. So defensively, I think that's where you would probably put most of their problems. 
So. Yeah, and you feel better about UCF exploiting that with how they just did against Temple. Yeah, than you maybe would have a couple weeks ago. Um, I so, will say one thing, as I said, I think on last week's podcast, I referenced briefly how well Tulane's given up on the season. You know, they're spiraling. I, now that they like, I don't know. They can go two ways because you could argue that well, they just hung with Cincinnati for three quarters, so they're reinvigorated and want to win a game. Or you could argue with they had a lead on the number two team in the nation, number two, not number six. Screw you, playoff committee, and they blew it and ended up losing by double digits. So they're just broken even more. So I don't know which way you swing on that. It really kind of depends on the coaching of the locker room, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. I mean, what we, we do think, I don't know if there's been any more that's come out this week so far, but on Monday, Gus Malzahn said that they're preparing as if Michael Pratt will be back for Tulane this week, which I don't um, love. I mean, yes. I don't like, I'm not rooting for injury to like last, obviously, but you know what I mean? I just, you know, yeah. it's tougher for UCF. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that would, that would help reinvigorate them a little bit. I would think. But at the same time, yeah, it's but against like congrats, you get Michael Pratt back. You, you're still in like a five game losing streak because yeah. your quarterback. It's not like, like oh, it's not like Dylan Gabriel with UCF where it's like, oh, we're saved. It's like you're yeah. still bad at football. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm not like this game is going to be I, like I'm not worried because I like Gus Malzahn was very much like this is not a one win team. So I don't think the team is treating them as bad right. as their record is, which is good. I'm not I'm not going to go so far to say I'm worried for this game. I I'm, I'm going to knock on wood. Yeah. I, I don't see UCF losing this game. I really don't. I just think it's probably going to be a more competitive game than you would typically like to see from when you're playing a one and seven team. Yeah. And I think like, go, so going into the temple game, I was like, there's just no way UCF's losing. Like there's, there's absolutely no chance. Yeah, that's not and, how I feel right now. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I go going into this weekend. Like I don't expect them to lose. Don't think they will, but yeah, I think two lanes way better than one and seven and they have, they clearly have talent to play with some of these better teams. So, you know, there's a chance, but I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think this should be a problem game for UCF. And if they get to six and three going into SMU, you cannot be mad at that with all the injuries. Honestly, the team that played against Temple and the defense we've basically been seeing for a few weeks now, that team can beat SMU. Yeah, that team can beat SMU. So we'll see. But and the other thing is you're playing at home. You know, UCF still has not lost a home game with a capacity crowd in years literally 2016 was the last time it happened we're not counting 2020 because there were 8,000 people there <laughs> um so if the fat crowd shows up which i've been pretty impressed with the crowd pretty much showing up for every game yeah. so far this year i'm not worried about it i'm just not worried weird about it. weird kickoff time but it shouldn't be too bad yeah i ucf went for about i don't think they had a 4 p.m kickoff in like forever and now they have two in a three-week span that's <laughs> yeah, it's really weird but uh, yeah and the expect- conflict's not on tv shocking sadness a shame I expect I expect the crowd to be up be up for this one, and I yeah I, I don't really see there being problems. And UCF with a full crowd, especially against a one win team, shouldn't struggle. Really you wouldn't should. think so. You wouldn't think so. Um, Should we do our predictions? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. All I right. went first like the last two weeks, so you go. Okay, first. I'll go first. Uh, my record is up to eight and fourteen. Okay. Uh, went three and zero last week. Uh, what's your record? I can't. I don't know. I didn't count it. Don't know. Oh, you didn't. No. Nope. Really? I think you do know. It's redacted. My record, record is bad. My record has um, been redacted. My, my first prediction is that UCF will win by double digits. Okay. Um, my score prediction agrees with you. So which, does mine. Though. Which I means mean, I agree with you. Well, yeah, I would hope yours does. Um, well, remember, I made the score prediction after the predictions here. Yeah. The score prediction is, is 20 minutes old. But uh, <laughs> no, for everything we just said, like I said, I think like this feels like a classic game to me that is going to like go into halftime like 14-10 and then UCF will end up winning by double digits pretty handily in the second half. Um, more than anything, I know we've talked about the offense and how they should like really feast against the defense this bad. The defense has just been playing lights out and they've shown me nothing to expect that to change against Tulane, especially a Tulane team that has a quarterback that's coming off an injury that 
has gotten blown out a lot lately and has produced point like some points at points in the season, but not necessarily recently. I just, I, I think that UCF can eventually shut them down on both sides of the ball. I just don't think that's going to happen in the first or second quarter. Yeah. It's funny because lately UCF's defense, I would say is controlling the game and yeah. allowing the offense to, to, you know, do their thing. And in the past, it was obviously the, so much was relied heavily relied on the offense and the defense just needed to get a few stops here and there. But like, now it's to the point where like the defense is stopping these offenses so much where it's like, all right, offense, just score like 20, 25 points and we're good. It's kind of right. I'm like, I'm like, get us to 28 and we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of, that's, that's how I feel. And it's, it's nice to be there right now. Like just, it's, it's just good to be back in that spot, but it was a little frustrating. It's ECU. And you were like, get us to 28. The offense was like, no, no, you cannot do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give you 20. And that's, that's it. Is it 20? And you'll deal with that. It was 20 and they put yeah. up 24 against Memphis. Now 49 against them. But the <laughs> offense, like the defense has been looking better game by game. Mikey's looked more comfortable. I really, really would prefer the receivers stop dropping wide open balls. I would deeply <laughs> appreciate for touchdowns. it. It's always for a touchdown. It's like some contested, like, Moss catch on the sideline is no problem, but then it's like you're streaking downfield alone. It's like, what do you mean catch the ball? I'm just running routes. Like, like I, in their just, brain, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm scoring a touchdown. <laughs> it's it's literally the O'Keefe one was it literally he looks up, he sees the ball, it lands in his hands like a gift from God himself, and it just goes <laughs> pop and pops out. And I don't get how that happens. I really don't get it. Have you ever worn receiver gloves? Yeah. It is hard to not catch a ball in those. Like They're you have to sticky. be trying. Like I, I, I really don't get it. I really yeah. don't get it. But oh, man, I digress. <laughs> well, uh, I can now. I kind of want to make one of my predictions that a receiver is not going to drop wide up a touchdown this time. But I'm not going to do that. If you're trying to get your score back up, you should predict that a receiver will do exactly that. If we're being <laughs> honest. Well, we're going to get this one out of the way again, and because I told you I'm doing this every week until it happens. Brandon Adams, first career interception. All right, you're just you're just killing your score with that one. Don't but... my score has been dead for like four weeks. So do you I actually know what it is, or did you not bother to check? You know, it? yeah, I do. I just what is it? Tell me what it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the audience what it is, and I might not be right if you don't tell me what it is. All right, well, let me see. What do you think it is? I think it's three and sixteen. <laughs> no, it's worse. Oh, is it worse? We've what done more it? predictions than that. Oh, have we? What I'm is mine? Th- oh, is it? oh, you're right. I'm three and twenty-one. <laughs> I'm cursed. Can you predict a Tulane win? No. Okay. So uh, Brandon, Brandon Adams, I want to look up real quick. Has Michael Pratt run a lot of picks this year? That's a great question. Wish I knew, <laughs> Wish I knew the answer. Um, he has thrown. Nah, he's only thrown five. No, six. I'll throw a six <laughs> to Brandon yeah, Adams. I believe. I believe you. I well, I, well, sure. Well, like that's the thing is, we're not even hundred percent sure he's playing. So if he doesn't, we've got another. We've got quarterback behind. Why don't you change two. that prediction to? Well, it doesn't matter. You didn't say he'll throw a pick. You said Brandon Adams will have a pick. So it doesn't yeah. matter who starts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then sure. so there's two quarterbacks behind him. One of them has thrown two picks. And one of them has thrown three. One of them has thrown three in nineteen attempts. So hopefully he plays. <laughs> Watch now he's gonna play and he's gonna throw for six touchdowns. <laughs> Your eyes literally like lit up when you saw that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, this is our guy. All right. Um, all right. Prediction number two from you. Mikey Keene will once again have multiple passing touchdowns. I don't think he's going to have five. I don't think he's going to have five, but I think he's going to have like at least three or two or three, two or three. We'll say two or three. I really feel like now that they've opened up the playbook a little bit and they're comfortable taking those shots downfield. Yeah. What, what are you laughing at? My, my next prediction. Oh, okay. I, uh, we'll see how that goes, but I don't know. I just, it seems like the offense has been opened up more and I still, I'm expecting at least one really stupid pick from Mikey at some point. Cause that's just part of being a true freshman, but I think he's going to be good for some touchdowns. I think, I think that's the way things are now. Not five. I'm not five. 
he'll have some touchdowns. I couldn't do the no turnover prediction again. I wanted to, but <laughs> I just can't trust it until he does it. But my, I was laughing because my second one is uh, Mikey Keene will throw for 225-plus yards and three-plus touchdowns. Oh, you're expecting a big game. Well, you said two or three touchdowns. I don't know about the 225 yards. Sure, why not? Tulane's sure. pass defense is 124th in the country. So 300 yards it is. It's not great. Yeah, no. They're giving up like 291 a game, I think. Okay, maybe you're right then. We'll see. Oh, how, many of those yards, how many of those yards will be Joey, though? Who knows? 225 shouldn't be like that hard, but I know, but as much as they've opened up the playbook, still most of Mikey's passes are behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so I just don't know. I just don't know. How many yards per attempt did he average against, against Temp or against Temple? Temple, Temple. Yeah. We don't know um, Tulane yet. Per 10.9. 10.9. Okay. That's not bad. He could do a 10.9. Well, he did last week with 10.9. So of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> he okay. I'm going to say that's a solid maybe. Hopefully. I, see, that's the thing is I make my predictions too complex. Like yours. You really just, do. That's the only reason I've like multiple scores, touchdowns. Minor, yeah. And I was like, well, 225 and three touchdowns. <laughs> like, I am fully rooting for him. Like, I don't even care the game result to finish with 224 yards. He definitely will. Or he'll get <laughs> too late. He'll throw for like, he'll throw for like 350 and like one touchdown. All the other touchdowns will be rushing touchdowns. <laughs> My favorite will be he's gonna have like 226 yards. You're like, yes, I did, and he's gonna throw like a like a screen pass that gets blown up and loses like six yards. I'm gonna scream. You will have had it for a second. I'm gonna scream. All right, I'll give you my last one. Go ahead. UCF will hold the Green Wave offense to 21 points or less. My prediction. There, there, my score prediction agrees with you. There is no reason to. I, I, there's no reason to expect this defense to let up now. They've been looking good for weeks. Correct. I agree. Um, so my third prediction is that UCF will score more points on Tulane than Cincinnati did. Cincinnati, Cincinnati scored, what, like 31? 31. Yes. Okay, that, that lines up with my prediction as well that I made. All right. See, that's the thing is I, I hate this so much because you and I line up on predictions a lot and just yours are just like for some reason. Because <laughs> mine but, are more broad. You give yourself these narrow true. things. That's true. But like lately, like lately, I think two weeks in a row, and we'll see about this week, but two weeks in a row, you and I have had like the same score prediction. The one week it was, yeah, but, was the same. And then last week was uh, a point temple off. was one point off the difference though is that i literally made this with no thought okay. a sec like not too long ago so i don't know but we'll see give me I your made score my score prediction like three hours ago so like it wasn't like i'd like thought about it all week <laughs> or anything like give me, score, just, give, me, give me your score prediction let's see it ucf 35 tulane 21 i'm 38 21 so oh even if we, we're still very close that's so weird though because second. usually i'm the one that gives ucf an extra field goal and you're like no nah, they don't kick yeah but obarski hasn't and i'm and a and like he didn't try one against temple did he i thought he did no wait maybe he didn't nope you're right i don't think he it did. just feels like a good field goal game I, it's at home he'll, he'll get a field goal in there. <laughs> sure so there you go yeah we're both we're both expecting like not a blowout win but a comfortable win yeah that's pretty much where we're at i i wanted to go like a little bit even more of a blowout i wanted to say 42 21 but i don't for some See, reason i just feel like we're being homers if you cf scores 40 points in one game and now we're like ah oh, yes that's the standard again like this this offense really hasn't shown me anything where i'm like yeah you can put up 40 points on the regular like but tulane's defense i know me that, i know so that's man. why i wanted to do it but honestly uh, I they know. could i fully expect them to hit 40 in their last two games if we're being honest so. <laughs> i would hope so i would hope if so they too. don't i will be very disappointed but all right, should we do our uh, bowl projections? Bowl projections. That's new right. segment That's alert. New segment alert. We've got some bowl projections from different alarm, outlets. Alarm. Um, I think so. You know of one of these. You probably I know I think one you've of them. Seen the other two, but like maybe you didn't remember them. I don't I think, think I, I texted have. Him. I texted him to you the other day. 
it's great we're doing this segment because I don't care at all about bowl predictions and don't look them up. I love bowl predictions. Every week when they come out, I'm like, oh, what's like, what do I look at? They're never freaking right. Never right. Okay. Christian, Here's what bothers care. me is it's not I don't only care that they're if never they're right. right. It's that these freaking writers don't know how the goddamn bull bids work. Oh, I just cursed. Do we curse on this podcast? Sorry about that, guys. You've done it before, I, and I have I? every okay. time you do it. Sorry. But. Well, sorry, everybody. If your kids put, are like, a little, for like, warning reason. or whatever. No, um, I've never said a bad tag. curse word on this podcast, but I, there is an explicit tag, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tagging this podcast as explicit because I said okay. that. But anyway, um, we're going to get canceled over that. Um, <laughs> but I... It's just like the writers don't know how the bull bids work. Like they never do. Like I literally will pull up the thing in the first projections, like Cincinnati and the Peach Bowl. They can't play in the Peach Bowl this year. Like I just, it's, it's just like, oh, so I just don't care anymore. Especially, well, and it's even worse for a conference like the AAC because some conferences like have like tier bull tiers. Like yeah. the fourth team goes here. The AAC is just a free for all. It's just like it's like it's like you pull, put your hand in a freaking like bag and you pick out a number and that's your bowl game. So writers have no idea how it works. Well, and now I'm curious to see if, if any of these because I got. I don't really like think too much into it when I read them. I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, cool, 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 whatever. But like now when I say these, I'm wondering if you're like, that's not even possible. I'm sure one of them will be. I'm okay. sure of it. Well, let's, although let's there, start although off, there's very few things that aren't possible for UCF, but we'll see. Let's start off with the one that you know about because you sent it to me earlier. I didn't even know this website existed, but bowlseason.com says Cure Bowl against App State. And you do not want this to happen. Okay, so first off, bowlseason.com. Bowl season is like the official organization that runs the bowls. Oh, so really? I don't know if that one holds like more like power than the others. I don't know. I've but never anyway, seen projections from them before. So. I never have either, but they're projecting. So I don't like that for a couple of reasons. First off, I don't want to play in the freaking Cure Bowl. I really don't. I really, really, really don't. I think UCF will have a much better crowd than they did when they played there in 2016. Yeah. But second, you know who I sure don't want to play? App State. I have no interest in playing a Sunbelt team that could absolutely beat UCF. I have no interest in that. What a dumb projection. <laughs> UCF should turn that down. UCF should say we're staying home and <laughs> we're, not. We're not that. going to a bowl game. App State is six and two. They have a super razor thin loss to Miami. They beat East Carolina a lot easier than we did. And their only other losses to Louisiana, who's really good. They beat Coastal Carolina when they were a top fifteen team. I do not want to play App State. I have you. You know what would suck is if UCF actually like pulls off the impossible and they finish nine and three like everything comes together perfectly. And it's like, wow, they did it. They went from three and three to nine and three, totally recovered the season. This is awesome. Maybe we can even get ranked. And then a freaking Sunbelt team beats us in our own city that I have no interest in that. Do you think, I don't, I don't mean, obviously, like you just said, it's a free for all, but like, I just can't imagine a nine and three UCF going to the cure bowl. So this is another thing that maybe not, is not known so much about bulls, both 2017 UCF. Let's, let's rewind back in the day. There was, they were really good that year. They went to the peach bowl, um, one national title to some. Um, the Cure Bowl was started in 2016 and the Cure Bowl was created entirely for UCF to basically play in it every year. That's why the Cure Bowl exists. And the only reason that didn't happen is because then UCF got way better and became a brand all of a sudden. The, and the Cure Bowl was like, whoops, because that is literally why the Cure Bowl was created. So that, that was UCF's bowl destination basically every year. So I, if UCF is back to not being a national spotlight team, I totally think they'll be in the Cure Bowl. I, I, I'm not saying it's like a done deal, but it's totally on the table. I don't like, I don't like it. No, no one likes it. No one wants to play in the freaking Cure Bowl. It's not even at the city. I'd go. I'd probably, it's in, it's at freaking Orlando City Stadium. Oh, I'd now. definitely go. No, I don't want to watch UCF play in Orlando City Stadium. I just it's a nice it stadium. I'm not, I'm not like dissing the stadium. I'm just like, that. come on. I didn't, yeah, I was not to watch the Cure Bowl last year because I don't, I can't picture football like, I can't picture American football in that stadium. Also, Orlando City has a press box the size of a small shoebox. So, uh, like, sorry, media, if you cover UCF, you're just not going to be there. 
literally i covered orlando city for years they have like it is the dumbest press box in the world they have like seven seats like have you ever covered a game there uh i covered the mls combine in 2018 so you, there, there's no seats. Like, I'm like, you're asking people to not cover your team. Like, and, and, and you know, which, which is a good thing because you're MLS. So you definitely don't need coverage. And that's just going to, so that's the other reason I don't want is there's we, no way I'd be credentialed. We there's no way into, most people who cover this would be credentialed. We have veered into territory where our, most of our audience does not care. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> you're right. We're, we're complaining about press box. Well, you yeah. should care audience because there's lots of people whose tweets you follow who are tweeting from the press box who won't be there if, it's, if you see us in the cure hole. <laughs> So right, you'll get you'll get Jason Beatty, and that's it. So which it's he's good at tweeting. It's a good one to have, but that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to uh, CBS Sports has UCF in the Military Bowl against Boston College. Sure, I'd love that one. Okay. My personal prediction: I totally think UCF's going to be in the military. Military. Bowl. I don't know who they're going to play, but I think they're going to be in the military bowl because that bowl again, the AC like there's bowls that were made for teams. That one very much exists for Navy to play, in, and Navy ain't going to a bowl this year, so someone's got to go. Here's a fun one. Brett McMurphy oh, has UCF in the Hawaii Bowl against Utah State. <laughs> I don't. There's nothing to like about that. Like, hey, UCF has Hawaiian players. Maybe they'll play in the Hawaii Bowl. Is that uh, all that's based on? I really have no idea. I couldn't tell you, but I can't tell you how much I don't care about playing Utah State. I feel like that's how most of the fan base felt about Marshall in 19. That's how I feel about freaking Utah, Utah State. <laughs> yeah. I have zero interest in playing the Aggies in hey, Jordan Hawaii. Love went there. Jordan Love will be starting on Sunday for the, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. What do you mean? Aaron Rodgers said he was vaccinated. I'm not going to get into are that. We're we not going to go down that route. <laughs> I don't think we want to. Um, oh, he said he was so immunized. My bad. These are the um, two. Yeah. These are the two that I think. Maybe you just forgot about because I texted him to you the other day. ESPN's um, Mark Schlabach. Is that how you say that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Birmingham Bowl. Bo- oh, okay. Birmingham oh, Bowl. Oh, we did talk about Tennessee. This. We did talk about these. Against Tennessee. No. 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 <laughs> so much fun. No one wants. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. Tennessee might beat them. No. Tennessee probably would beat them. I'm no. sorry, UCF fans, but they probably would. No. It, the only way that we would win is if Gus Ball's on just straight out coach Heupel, which is a straight That's like j- absolutely gonna happen. Heupel. Gonna happen. But at the end of the day, like Tennessee has not been bad this year. Like, I don't know. I don't love that. I don't love that. And the thing is, if UCF, if that happens and UCF wins, it's the coolest thing ever. You beat Heupel and it's great. But if UCF loses to Heupel, that will be like a, a, a shame that this fan base no, carries just say that for decades. We weren't motivated. We didn't care. All right. Let me ask you a hypothetical bull question. Sure. What happens if Dylan Gabriel is not healthy for the regular season, but he is healthy for the bull? Who do you play? Who do like? Did you play? Mikey's been the guy for months I would, now. I would but probably do you, play. It, I would still probably play Dylan. Okay. But like, I don't. I don't see that being a scenario that would happen. Like, I don't know why they bring him back just for the bowl game. But but I think it's totally possible. What if he? I mean, what if he just misses the regular season, but by the bowl game, which is a few weeks after, he's probably healthy and ready to go. Yeah, but no, I, just, I just don't know. I don't really see much of like, unless obviously other than just like winning the game. I just don't see a lot of upside between like, okay, you've just rehabbed your broken or your yeah your broken clavicle or whatever it was. And here's play play in this bowl game, and that really doesn't matter. Have you like, doesn't matter, Bailey, Tennessee? Um, have <laughs> you have you? First off, I feel like Dylan would really want to play against Eiffel. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I think yeah, it would be interesting. But I just I'm saying, I just feel like from a if you think about it, like if you're thinking long term, like what's the upside of him playing in that game in that game only? Like if he's already back, like sure, fine. But like if I don't know, I think if he's not back by the end of the regular season, I feel like it's just like all right, okay just take the rest of the off season 
It's a thought. Who knows? I, 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 but I guess the question would be, are you really just going to have a healthy Dylan Gabriel chill on the sideline? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I can't know. imagine that being the case. I don't know. I don't know. We'll All right, see. the other ESPN one that we've already talked about off the podcast. I don't remember another one. Kyle Bonagura says military bowl against Virginia Tech. I don't remember that one at all, but okay. Oh. Yeah, again, I think military bowl is really likely. I would rather play Boston College than Virginia Tech. I couldn't not tell that, you anything about either of their seasons. Uh, Virginia Tech's not. I remember have a Virginia. Coach. They're not going to have a coach by the time that ball gets played. Virginia but, Tech um, beat North Carolina. That's all I remember. But North Carolina's. Yeah, and then they good, didn't do so. much of anything after that. No, Virginia Tech, their coach is getting fired. I guess that would be like depending on when he gets fired, if it's before or after the bowl, because I don't really want to play against a coach who's coaching for his job. Yeah. Um, although he's probably done either way. Yeah, I wouldn't um, think like a military bowl win over UCF would save a guy's job. I would hope it wouldn't, honestly. No, he's gone. Aren't you kind of a sort of Virginia Tech fan a little bit? I have, a, yeah, I have a soft spot for Virginia Tech. Okay. That's a strange way to phrase that. But we'll, well, no, I, guess I'm, I wouldn't say like I'm a fan, but it's just like, yeah. So I, Boston I, College is four and four, and they have yet to win an ACC game. All right. Give me Boston College. Um, they beat Temple 28 to three. So take that for, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to play Boston College. Are they going to be in a bowl game? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But if they are, we'd love to have them. Virginia Tech is also four and four. They're two and two in the ACC. They started the season with a great win over number 10, North Carolina, who now is also four and four. Um, <laughs> they played Notre Dame close. That's something they beat Georgia tech. So congrats to them, but yeah, they're also just whatever. Okay. I think those predictions are basically, I think each of those writers is just one of them is like Virginia tech will be the one that gets to a bowl. And everyone's like Boston well, college will be the one that gets to a bowl. Here's the last one. And it's from the oh, there's athletic. More. Yeah. There's just one more It's from the athletic and it's the armed forces bowl against air force. Did Stuart Mandel do that one? I think so. Okay. He actually, his are interesting because he actually like talks to people and doesn't just like look at a list and say, mm, oh, like, these matchups. Okay. So he said, say that again. He had armed forces, armed forces bowl against air force. Mm, no, it doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like something I am interested in. Well, one, well, I don't want to go to Texas <laughs> and two, I don't want to play an option team again. When you say that, that was the thing that I was don't, don't want to deal with. When you say I'm you no don't want to go to Texas, you're saying you don't want to UCF to go to Texas, or are you traveling for the bowl game? I haven't talked about this. If unless it's the freaking Hawaii bowl, then yeah, I'm planning to go to the bowl. Oh, game. Interesting. Okay. I haven't missed a bowl game since last year. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> no, no, to be fair, I only missed last year because of like, you know, COVID was yeah. going on. I was I wasn't going places. But yeah. I mean, I went to 19, 18, 17. I just hadn't considered, I guess, that the well, last UCF bowl game other than last year yeah. I haven't been to is Fiesta Bowl in 13. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go, I go to the bowl game go, every year. I didn't go to the Fiesta Bowl in 2018 i didn't go to that one i know we invited you and you turned us down i was a broke college kid at the time it's true um, all right you want to jump into the football news it's not a lot of it really we kind of I feel like i had another thing to say about the bull game but i can't remember you? what it was so let's do it okay uh anthony montalvo <laughs> was nominated for the burlsworth trophy which is given to the most outstanding player who began their career as a walk-on um that is a fantastic name and a fantastic reason to have a trophy burlsworth i i don't remember the guy's full name that it was named after but yes i like it i hope his first name was also burl what if his name was earl earl, earl burlsworth. burlsworth it definitely wasn't because i would have remembered that um <laughs> so we have kickoff times for the next two games after tulane next saturday's game november 13th against smu will kick off at noon eastern time which is 11 a.m local if you're traveling to the game um it's gonna be on ESPN. i have you yes i have a wedding that day not my wedding. I'm not getting married. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I didn't watch a UCF game. And it, since it's a noon kick, I'm lucky. So I'll be able to watch at least some of it, but I am deep. I just, for that good, I'm deeply upset that I have a family member that chose to have a wedding on a fall Saturday. Just throwing that out there. We don't need to talk about the situation I'm in this Saturday. 
Um, oh, but we should. No, we we'll should. talk about. We'll talk about next week. We'll talk about next week's podcast. Okay. Um. So okay then. The November 20th game against UConn, which you've already referenced, is at 4 p.m. and will be on ESPN Plus. Big civil conflict game on ESPN Plus. Um, another thing we already mentioned, Mikey Keene being named to the AAC weekly honor roll after throwing for five touchdowns against Temple. Uh, Gus said this week that he is hope they're hopeful that they'll have Jalen Robinson back for Saturday, which is along the same lines as what he said last week. So it just seems like still very much like a week-to-week thing. Said he's going to practice this week and that they hope they'll have him back Saturday. It went um, from last week. It seemed like he was like, "Oh yeah, Jalen, he's gonna practice, ring it up, see what happens." And then this week, he's like, well, "I don't know, guys." So I have no idea. What's yeah, it's like we hope so. He said he'll practice again this week, and we'll, we hope so. So, and then on Dylan Gabriel, he actually, like you said earlier, kind of walked it back a little bit and said, "Not really. He didn't really have an update, and that he hopes to have something a little more concrete to share next week." Which, like, for some reason, I've made up this timeline in my head now that, like, saying that that he's gonna be like, "Okay, well, next week he'll say." all right, he's back to practicing, but he's not going to play against SMU and that he might come back by UConn. So that's, that's I, I my guess that new So your point on the bowl, is there a point to come back with two games left? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but... Two games that you can win with any quarterback? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. I, I feel like he'd want to play, maybe not in UConn, but I feel like he'd want to play the USF game. Maybe. Why would you not? Like, why would you not? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Does Dylan strike you as a guy that's gotten really invested in the local rivalry? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for football news. Um, you cheated with three notable things once again. I'm looking at the outline now. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, you I don't did. think anyway, I cheated. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. We've combined. We've combined soccer. You combined. Yeah, that's uh, whatever. Whatever. So soccer is just one. It's one. It's one sport. Soccer. It's, it's two um, different teams. Okay, two different. One sport. It, you're wrong. But okay. It's one sport. Men's Four soccer, notable things. Go ahead. Men's soccer uh, lost four three in overtime against South Florida last Wednesday and five nil on Sunday against uh, SMU. So they're now eight and six and six and three in the AAC. They have the regular season finale at Tulsa on Friday. The women's team also had just an equally bad week, um, losing three, one at Cincinnati on Thursday, and then getting eliminated in the first round of the AAC tournament on Sunday, uh, losing two nil to Memphis. They're now eight, seven and one, three, four and one in the AAC. I don't really see a path at this point for them to make the tournament. I know like even their record being like, pretty bad a couple weeks ago people were like oh they still have like really good rpi they have some big wins in the non-conference but i just don't think you're gonna see them in the tournament well they tweeted our season has come to an end oh did they and then they deleted it and <laughs> tweeted again and then now this the link in the new tweet was like we're awaiting the ncaa tournament yeah, results so i, think I don't they think know. they're too confident yeah <laughs> I, think, I think they know um volleyball they're actually still doing really well. They won three, nothing against Tulsa on Friday and three, nothing against Wichita state on Sunday. They're now 18 and six and 11 and one in the AAC. McKenna Melville was named the AAC offensive player of the week for the fourth time this year. Claudia Dillon was named to the AAC weekly honor roll and they're back on the court Friday at Cincinnati and Sunday at ECU. And finally women's basketball uh, just needed to get this in here because coach Abe is just killing it on the recruiting trail. Uh, UCF now has two, 2022 recruits that are ranked nationally in the top 100 that'll be savannah henderson who's 46th and amaya evans who's 65th um it's pretty pretty that's good. a big freaking that's massive and nationally and also like basketball roster is so much smaller that's like a football team having like five of those like that that is a big freaking deal yeah and you're i mean you're going into the big 12 writing that like very obviously like that's already impacting recruiting um, we'll see we've talked about with like oh football like obviously it's a power conference but we'll have to see exactly like where it ends up in the pecking order, especially in regards to the ACC and Pac-12. 
like basketball that is like that the big new big 12 in both basketballs is basically the best basketball conference if you want to see what ucf's up against in the new big 12 in basketball go read Ooh, my plug that article big 12 guide um on nightsportsnow.com because i brought up like here like yeah there's baylor is just a national power so you're, you're going up against baylor which is like congrats you got rid of uconn but now you've got to play baylor all the yeah, time literally and... something almost as bad but, there there, but you know what you're, you're recruiting like this you're gonna be fine you're yeah. gonna be just fine yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see where that goes. And speaking of this season, um, UCF opens up their 2021-2022 regular season next week against Duquesne. Um, and you know what? Just just despite you, I'm going to throw men's basketball in there because they start their season next week as well. OK, that's fine. That's exciting. <laughs> yep. Um, they're going to go to the tournament this year, I think. It'll be very exciting. Yep. So th- we're going to throw it over you now to you now for your uniform of the week. Yeah, we are. Uh, it was football again. Uh, football yeah, this weekend went. But they, well, if they stopped wearing good stuff. I have, to, I have to talk a little bit about this combo. Not a little bit, but just so they went. For those of you who don't know, they went white helmet, white night head jersey, and black pants. They had the script knights on one side of the helmet. I, literally one of my favorite road looks ever. I know that like, and I knew that it was going to be controversial when I got the combo originally because like you know fans are quote unquote divided on the night head. I don't know if they're that divided or they're just like there's a small group that really don't like it and are very vocal about it, but. It was just a really nice, clean combo. And listen, the Nighthead jerseys, they don't work in every look. It worked in that look because you have this white and black balance. You had the black pants to balance out the black collar, so that tied in. You had the chrome gold in the helmet to stick with the gold numbers. You kind of had this alternating gold, black, gold with the white flowing all the way through. It was just a nice, tough, solid road look. I mean, it really, really was, and I loved it. I, I Literally one of my favorite road things they've worn. That Nighthead jersey, listen, it's not as good as the Pegasus jersey, but it is a really nice change of pace when you mix it up with a good combo. I really like it. And I like, yeah, I like the white night head one a lot better than the black night head. Um, yeah, the black night head has like three combos it works with, maybe two. The white yeah. night head you can play around a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, this week's combo uh, also is going to win for next week. Just spoiler in advance. All right. Just let, letting you know. All right. And again, we, we say this every week where it's like, depending on when you listen to this podcast, you probably know. You might already know it. If, you, if any of you don't like this one, I will fight you on Twitter. So come at me. I feel like you could, <laughs> I mean, you're gonna there's fight. no if, way if, if there's it's not about no that, way people aren't gonna like if this. it's not about just, that you'll fight them on something else on twitter about it like i well i'm just saying like i said last week i could see it i was like i can see why some of you don't like this i really like it this one you there is no reason i like this combo and we will argue so <laughs> i'll see you on twitter <laughs> i'll see you on twitter it's like a kid like at, at high school i'll see you at the bike rack <laughs> meet me there i'll see you in the dms bro <laughs> God. Oh goodness. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here before you threaten anyone else with the Twitter fights. Um, we'll be back next week with episode 44. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, thank you guys so much for being with us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye everybody.